Welcome to Just Curious Media. This is Let's Talk Cobra Kai. I'm Jason Connell. And I'm Sal Rodriguez. All right, Sal. This is Season 2, Episode 7, LOL. What's it called? LOL. L-U-L-L? That's correct. Okay, I think I know what that refers to oh, later yeah. in the episode, I think. And it's an 8.8 rating on IMDb. Another very good episode. And we open bright and early at the LaRusso residence as Amanda wakes up to an empty bed. I love that the first thing she says is, good morning, baby. That's the first thing she says. Yeah. She reaches over for her husband and says, good morning, baby. And I'm sitting there going, how come my girlfriend never says that to me? I don't know. I need a dealership. That's what I need. That's exactly right. Yeah, a series of dealerships in the valley. So she calls Daniel. And of course, where is he, Sal? He's at the dojo. And he's got, at first I was thinking like, why isn't he on Bluetooth? But he's driving the 48 Super Deluxe. Of course, there's no Bluetooth. He's got like the Apple headphones hanging, only one in his ear. You know that in some states, for sure, California, it's illegal to drive with headphones in both ears. You're only allowed to have one in. So my old vehicle didn't have Bluetooth and I was on the phone and I was using a headset, Apple headset, and a police officer was next to me and he held one finger up and pointed to my headset. Did you and know that, what he meant right away? No, it took me a second. And I clicked in like, ah, he's saying one head. So I took one out, the, yeah. the right one out, or the left one out, the one without the microphone, and he nodded. So that's how I learned. So you got a warning. Yeah. That's very nice. Yeah, very nice. I don't get warnings. You I just, want a warning. He's a straight ticket. Straight ticket. Well, I believe in hands-free. I've not been on a phone or holding it. In my FJ Cruiser, there's a nice little spot you can put your phone above yeah. the steering wheel, which is like built for it. Yeah. Dude, I've never on that thing. You never have it in your hands. No, no. I, I know because I got a ticket once for having the phone in my hand. I just picked up my phone at a stoplight to look at it. Boom, ticket. But I see people to this day in California, phone to oh, yeah. the ear. Like, oh, yeah. Seriously? If anything, put it on speaker. Yeah. So I did notice Daniel gets out of the car and he has one in his ear. He's talking to Amanda. And yeah, he's at the dojo. He says he wants to get a jump on today's lesson is what he says. Right. So she reminds him of an important lunch meeting with Anoush, a very unhappy Anoush. I did we say. know that Anoush was unhappy? Well, we knew he wasn't happy about being at the NoHo dealership. Yeah, okay. Because he doesn't have the, the right last... uh, tattoos or something? What did he say? Well, yeah, he has no tattoos, but <laughs> I think he's more comfortable at the Encino branch. Sure. But that's all we know. Yeah. So apparently he's unhappy. There's a big meeting today. They hang up the phone, and then we hear a punching bag getting hit. Sure. And you think it's Robbie, and I think he even calls out, is that you, Robbie? Right. And then he goes outside. It's not Robbie. Yeah. This was a surprise. Oh, who is it? Crease. Hitting the bag with a cigar in his mouth. <laughs> no, no, he hasn't lit the cigar yet. He hasn't lit it yet. Okay, but the cigar was in his mouth, though, wasn't it? Of course. So the cigar's in his mouth, unlit, he's hitting the bag, and he comes out from the other side, and we see Daniel reacting to him. Uh, yeah, I was surprised to see that for sure. And Kreese is thanking Daniel for taking the weaker soldiers, ex-Cobra Kai's. Ooh. Daniel says, oh, so they're soldiers. So you can kind of see Kreese is back to that. His whole initiative is what we were talking about in previous episodes. Oh, Daniel did say, oh, this is what it's come to, breaking and entering? Oh, that's true. He did say that. Yeah, which is, you know, right off the bat, Kreese is doing something illegal. <laughs> Always. And then Kreese goes on to say he won't let Johnny lose this time around. Yeah. What was, was he referring to like the 84 All Valley? Yeah. Because obviously Johnny's team, wow. Cobra Kai, has won the tournament most recently. Yes. But he is referring to 84. He wow. must be. Talk and, about stuck in the past. Jeez. Yeah. No doubt. And then he says, peace is just a lull. There we go. In between battles. Now that I totally, you know, I'm a lover of peace. 
I do. I love peace, but I have realized and accepted that here on planet Earth, there is no peace, only pause. And here they call it lull. Totally, yes. Anytime you have peace, either in your life or in the nation or in the world, it's just temporary. It's true. And then he puts his cigar out in one of the plants. So disrespectful. Oh, and you hear it go. And then he gives his respect to Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. So backhanded. He says, give my regards to Mr. Miyagi. What is that supposed to mean? I was surprised that he said that. I mean, he's got some balls to even say this. Mr. Miyagi kicked his ass in the beginning of Karate Kid 2. And now he's giving backhanded compliments to... Daniel. Daniel about... This is the second time as well. The oh. first time was in front of the receipt of flags. Yes, yes. So Daniel doesn't even move. Yeah. He's just kind of probably in shock that Kreese is even there. Yeah. But I mean, it could have been worse. Kreese could have said, give my regards to your family, which has more horrible implications yeah. than Mr. Miyagi. At least Mr. Miyagi is passed and he cannot be harmed. True. Now we're back at the LaRusso residence and Samantha has Moon over. Yeah, so they've rekindled their friendship yeah. What, after Hawk, right? Moon dissed Hawk. She dumped him. Right. Because she didn't want to date a bully, she said, in the previous episode. So now they're hanging out again. But this is our first time seeing Sam and Moon hanging out again, right? Yeah. Okay. So that's interesting. It's like the only time I think I've seen Sam and Moon just together without Yasmin yes. or anyone else there. Yeah. So this is a new era for Moon and Sam. And Moon has her try this hippie smoothie that is supposed to balance your kinetic energy. Are we led to believe that Moon made that or did she buy it? I'm not sure, but obviously I've always said this, Moon must come from some really cool hippie parents. Yeah. Okay, maybe her parents made it. So have you ever had such a smoothie, Sal? I'm not big on these expensive smoothies. Well, for one thing, I, I definitely believe is that, let's say you take a supplement yeah. and it's great. You got to keep taking it. You yeah. can't just take it one time and it's going to do anything. And your kinetic energy is just fixed? Yeah, no, no. You would have to have one of these expensive smoothies at least a couple times a week for it to do anything if it actually does anything. Well, Moon swears by it. So anyway... As they talk, Moon suspects that Sam has a crush on Robbie. Well, it's the way Sam is talking about and being so picky and choosy about her clothing. Right. So that's when Moon, you know, the female instinct kicks in. So she says, do you have a crush? And then she says, is it Robbie? Yeah, because it's kind of written all over Sam's face. Yeah. She definitely has a crush and it's definitely Robbie. I was a little surprised that Moon would automatically assume Robbie because she would have to sort of know the inner workings of Miyagi-Do, right? Well, I think Moon's aware that Robbie lives there. Okay, there we go. So there's been a lot more Robbie interaction. Yeah, so he's not just another student at Miyagi-Do. No, because I don't think Moon even knows Robbie that well anyway. No. She's only interacted with him briefly at yeah. the canyon, mm-hmm. saw him a little yeah. bit. Yeah, okay. So the cat's out of the bag as far as Moon's concerned. Her friend Sam has a crush on Robbie, the house guest and fellow Miyagi-Do student. Yes. I like how Moon says, my mom's therapist always says, you can't hide from your heart. So Moon's giving some nice sage advice, but I did find it interesting that she didn't even say my therapist. She said my mom's therapist. I just found that interesting that Moon is using what, like firsthand, secondhand advice for her own. And I just thought that was interesting. I would like to see Moon's family. Yeah. At this point in time, I think it would be interesting to see a little more background on Moon. Now that she's come to the light, Yes. right? But she was on the dark side in the beginning. But now that she's into the fold of the LaRussos and Miyagi-Do... Yes, and we've recently seen Hawk's mother. Why not bring Moon's parents into play? I know that Jason has seen all of Cobra Kai, and he doesn't give me any spoilers, which I appreciate. And you ask. I do. I like to be surprised. I like that suspense. So yeah, we may be meeting Moon's parents at some point. I don't know it yet. Maybe Jason does, but I don't know. What a poker player I am. You are. You're good. I appreciate it. 
Now we're at Cobra Kai Dojo, and Miguel gives Johnny his condolences about Tommy's passing. Yeah, so this is Johnny arriving yeah. after what we saw with he his old buddies. He must have been buddies. gone several days. Yeah. Could have been a week. Yeah, and it's, it was kind of just, was not planned. No, it was very Johnny smart. was part caught off guard himself, yeah. took off. Very spontaneous trip for Johnny, and then what happened happened. Oh, yeah. And then they dealt with the funeral, so he has not been back in the dojo since he left. Yeah. So Miguel also shares that things have been good, and Crease is tough, but he knows what it takes to win. Yeah, so this will come up later, that Johnny has entrusted Crease with his dojo, with his students. He has given him his trust while he went off to go hang out with his old buddies. Yeah. And then he comes back, so he's going to have to experience the fallout. And to find out who trashed Miyagi-Do. Yes, that's right. So Johnny goes into his office, and Crease is cleaned up. And hung a photo of him on the wall. That I thought was funny. Is that not the same photo that we saw in Karate Kid? Oh, yeah. That is. That's the same photo that was on the wall originally. And that thing is straight out of Soldier of Fortune. <laughs> yeah. It is that great photo of young crease and fatigues. Also looks like something in Predator. Yeah. You know, one of the many men that helped Schwarzenegger hunt down the Predator in Columbia. Now that you was. mentioned it, I wonder if Martin Cove was ever considered for to be one of the crew members of Predator. I mean, yeah, you had Bill Duke in that. You had Apollo Creed, Carl Weathers. You had Shane Black in the film. Yes. He had a big crew. He f- could have fit right in there. Yeah. Martin I wonder if Cove he was considered. Could have fit right in. Yeah. So Johnny goes to start class, but Kreese has made other plans. Yeah. He's going to take them to Coyote Creek, which, by the way, I believe is a made-up place. Yeah, it's a great name, though. Yeah, it's fantastic. I'm going through my Rolodex as a San Fernando Valley resident. Is there actually a Coyote Creek? But no, I don't think I've ever Much heard like of one. Much like the canyon, you know? Yeah. It's obviously a place that Johnny and Chris have been to before. Maybe the old Cobra Kai's trained there. Because sure. it immediately clicked in Johnny's head. Like, oh, my gosh, Coyote Creek, are they ready for this? So he's a little apprehensive and then says, all right, because no one's in their geese. Yeah. Everyone's like in sports clothes because they were told to get ready to be in the outdoors. Yeah. I really enjoy being outside, training outside. Yeah. I don't know why I've never taken a job where I literally work outside. I love being under the sky so much. So I really admire Cobra Kai and Miyagi-Do both Both. for training outside. I agree. I mean, I think the dojo has its place. The mats, the mirrors really help. I know from practicing martial arts myself... Mirrors help you with form. Sure. But I do appreciate these things as well. Yeah. And we live in California. So, I mean, I'm outside every day walking my dog. I'm taking phone calls outside. So it's a part of my life. Yeah. I would not live in California and not be outside as much as I could be. I mean, it's almost Thanksgiving. And I just rode my bike the other day from North Hollywood to Encino back and forth. And it was beautiful out. It's amazing. So now we're at Miyagi-Do Dojo and the team is exhausted and they're hiding under one small tree in the yard. Yeah, that was funny. Was it because it's so hot? They're looking yeah. for some shade. Right? Yeah, because you're speaking about being outside, and I agree. But the valley can get hot in the summer. Yeah, and I think the valley's only getting hotter. I think. I think we're having record temperatures. When it gets hot, it's hotter than it's ever been. I believe every year. Yes. So I believe this is one of those times where you could train inside. Mm-hmm. I see. Sure. So Daniel has a different plan, which is what Sal Shoshu Geiko. And what does that mean? And Geico is like the insurance, because then one of the guys yells out, Chris, you mean like the insurance commercial? Which is hilarious. Yeah, but Shoshu Geico is when you train on the hottest day of the year. Now, by the way, when I was back in my marathon training days, the training season would begin in the fall, because you would train all through the fall, train all through the winter, train all through the spring. So by the time the summer came around, you were fully trained already, 
yeah. physically. So you should be adapting to the summer and the heat a little better than if you started training in yeah. the summer. You don't want to start training in the summer outside. You want to start in the fall and then wind up in the summer outside. But these guys are just going for it. Yeah. Of course, what do I know about Shoshu Geico? Well, I know from growing up in Oklahoma in the summers, it was 100 plus degrees, ridiculously amount of humidity. And I'm out there mowing lawns, playing sports. I didn't know there was a different way. Yeah. And I think that made me tougher. It probably did. uh, Because I don't think we've had the humidity of Oklahoma. No. Right? You have that like Texas humidity, right? very similar. Yeah. You walk outside in the summer and you're wet. Sure. No, I have had to leave the state. I've been to New Orleans. I've been uh, overseas in the Middle East where I've experienced incredible humidity that we've never experienced here in Los Angeles ever. So even when it's really hot here, at least it's more dry. Yeah. And we're lucky that way. Definitely makes a difference. But the valley, it can be 20 to 30 degrees hotter than by the ocean. Oh, definitely. Which is amazing out here. And I didn't know that before I lived here. You're like, oh, yeah, whatever. No, it's true. It'd be 70 in Santa Monica, and it could be 100 in the Valley. Yeah, it has to be, if you live in Los Angeles or the San Fernando Valley, and you say, I want to go to the beach and get in the ocean. Well, it needs to be like 105 here Yeah. in order for it to be decent in the ocean in Malibu. It's crazy. So now we're at Coyote Creek, and Crease makes two teams, black and red. So Sal, explain this training exercise. Well, he puts half the crew with black headbands, half the crew with red headbands. They are enemies for the day. Yes. And you have to snatch off, similar to flag football, you have to grab the, instead of the the flags off your opponent in football, you grab the headband off your opponent in this uh, martial arts slash military style exercise. And the last person standing with the headband their crew is the winner. Their group is the winner. I initially thought it was going to be capture the flag, where you work as a team, you protect your own home base, okay. and you take out the other people. But this is an interesting take on it. Well, because of what you may see here is you may see, like, if, if I'm on the black team, I may have to fight another black team person, right? At the, yeah, I could get down to that, much like a karate tournament. Yeah. Because I think that happens when Miguel and Tori are talking, like, what if it comes down to us? Yes. They'd have to battle, because they were both on the black team. Sure. So, Cree says, there are no rules and taking a headband. And Johnny quickly says, ah, use your best judgment. So you can already tell that they're kind of at opposite approaches there. Well, it would appear to the uninitiated that Johnny is getting soft. It appears to crease that Johnny is getting soft. Oh, he's evolving. I don't know if he's getting soft. No, but that's what I say. I say to the casual observer. I mean, we've seen how Johnny is changing and shifting and growing. Right. But if you compare Johnny today to Johnny of yesteryear, well, because he just thought like Crease. He's thinking for himself now. But I did see a little bit of a foreshadow here. At least I saw it as a foreshadow. When Crease says, the person standing across from you is your enemy, and we notice he's standing right across from Johnny yeah, when he says nice. that. Yeah, Very symbolic. So I caught that. So then Crease adds, this, meaning your headband, is your life. And if you lose it, you die. That's how Crease plays the game. Yeah, do or die. Do or die. So then Raymond arrives... Late. <laughs> and he's griping about the 118, which is a freeway out here in California. Ronald Reagan freeway, by the way. Very nice job there. So Johnny looks at him and says, what have you done to yourself? I totally love that he does the callback. He says, I flipped the script. 
Hawk style. So good. Points at Hawk, gives him props. He says, you can now call me Stingray. And he rubs his own beard. And then the music plays, right? Some hard guitar. Well, because he's got like a beard, but he's got this like ZZ top thing that just goes down <laughs> a little bit further, like one strand. Yeah. And the music just kind of collapses because it just dies on his big reveal. Well, yeah. Because Johnny says something like, okay, chubs. Yeah. Because no one's impressed. Yeah. By the way, this, this actor, this guy who we love, he's going to be, he has a starring role, right? In a new movie. His name's Paul Walter Hauser. He's in the new Clint Eastwood film named Richard Jewell. He plays the lead character. Wow. Richard Jewell. And it's an American security guard, heroically saves thousands of lives at the 96 Olympics when there was the explosion in Atlanta. Oh, wow. So yeah. And I've also seen him in Black Klansman, the Spike Lee film. Okay. And I also saw him in I, Tanya in 2017. Okay. So to see him in this role, and you and I immediately found him to be good comic relief. Sure, he's great. But flipping the script shows his acting chops. Yeah. So I think he's great, and this is a great role for him. He's the only Cobra Kai student that's an adult. And Johnny let it fly because he had some money. Yeah, he whipped out his money. And he could pay for lessons. All right. So now we're back at Miyagi-Do Dojo, and the students are in a circle with Robbie in the middle, and then Daniel's yelling numbers, and then a random student would attack Robbie. I totally love the approach, the, the martial arts technique of teaching a student to fend off multiple attackers. Is that something you do in the martial arts, or is it always just one-on-one? Different than the martial arts that I trained for. Yeah. But I do think it's interesting as well. I may get into that in more advanced stages. Yeah. But right now, we're learning how to just fight off one. I think later, you're right. These guys are all black belts yeah. in this universe. And I'm not a black belt yet. So I know you do get to that level. But this is a little unrealistic. You have kids here not padded up and they're throwing real hits and kicks at each other. Yeah. No, this is something you don't see in training. I have always kind of thought in my head about what if you take like the greatest martial artist and have them fend off like three pretty good fighters? You know, like, can a great fighter fend off three pretty good fighters? I'd like to see that. Well, I would say that my sensei could probably take out 20 fighters coming. Really? I think there's a lot of great things about this drill as well. I just can't imagine them beating each other up at this age. No, but I'll tell you what, though. Very useful skill. If you grew up in the San Fernando Valley like I did, there were times where you would have multiple attackers at the same time. You would get jumped by a gang. It's crazy. So, yeah, if you have the skills to fend off multiple attackers at once, fantastic. So Robbie's doing really well, scores a point on someone. Sam comes in. They have a really nice exchange. And then Sam scores. So then... Daniel rotates and puts Dimitri in the middle. Yeah. Which seems like a mistake right away. When they go to kick him, he doesn't even react. Yeah. I'm like, come on, dude, do something. I mean, you would figure natural instincts would kick in, even if it's not your karate training. The natural instinct kicks in to move out of the way of someone punching or kicking you. Right. But not in this regard. So after Dimitri fails, Samantha asks for a break and Daniel's like, fine, you guys want to cool off? Now we go back to Coyote Creek yeah. and Miguel and Tori, both on the black team, are walking and what happens? Now this I didn't understand because this guy approaches them from the back. Are you allowed to just run? I mean, if I'm on team black and I approach two team reds, don't I just get the hell out of Dodge? Why am I going to stand there and try to fight these two? Yeah, well. But he does though. I got to give him props. So he stood and tries tried to, to hold his ground. He tries to fight both Tori and Miguel at the same time. He's some unknown Cobra Kai student who we don't know. We've never gotten his name. No. And Miguel's even kind of laughing before it starts. Well, him and Tori are exchanging, like, kind of ad-lib jokes with each other about yeah. this. And so he puts up a fight, but they best him right away. Yeah. 
And then after taking the headband off, Tori finishes him with another kick. Yeah. That's a little mm-hmm. after the bell there, wasn't it, Sal? Very much no mercy. Well, who's in the background and sees this happen? Johnny's watching this. I think he's watching like, what are my students doing? Yeah, what was that? He doesn't interrupt, but he oversaw it. Well, it's no rules like Chris said. Well, that's what they're following. But he said, use your best judgment. And this is their judgment. Although you and I both know that Tori's judgment is suspect at this point in time. I'm still on the fence about Tori. We don't know what to make of her. We don't know where she came from. She just appeared out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. So yeah, we'll see what's to come with Tori. But yeah, she's uh, definitely a tough chick. Definitely. So now we cut to a walk-in freezer. This is Daniel's idea of cooling them off. Yeah. And what is this technique called? It's called Changaiko. Changaiko. And that's the exact same, but it's the opposite of what they did earlier. Yeah. Training in very cold environment. If you follow fighting, you know that cryotherapy is really big right now in sports, especially in fighting, because I follow a lot of fighting careers. And that's the freezing. The making your body cold is actually good for you now. It's a new technique. I would know it as a hot, cold therapy. Go hot, go cold, go hot, go cold. So definitely these guys are taking advantage of of everything. I mean, they're probably going to be doing altitude training at some point. So they're coming out of the dojo and going out in the field and doing all this wacky stuff. So now they're in this walk-in freezer. And yeah, I'm wondering, whose freezer is this? What restaurant is this? What grocery store is this? No idea. We don't get any background on it. But if I have my choice, give me the heat. I don't want to be in that frozen freezer trying to train. I would agree because, you know, also when you are cold and working out, you're more susceptible to injury because the blood rushes in. The blood leaves your extremities and goes inward. So your arms and legs are probably ripe for a cramp, ripe for a pull. So yeah, I agree. I would rather be hot than cold. So then Daniel gets a call from Anush and you know then and there that he's missed that appointment. Yeah. Daniel's really dropping the ball here because he's making promises that he's not keeping. He's given his word to his wife that he's not keeping. He told her he'd be there. He did. And then he just completely went out to lunch with his group here and doesn't show up for the meeting. So now we cut to LaRusso Otto and you see a disappointed Anoush who learns Daniel isn't coming because he got a text message from Daniel because he didn't answer the phone. Yeah. And Amanda is equally disappointed. She calls Daniel, gets his voicemail because he's probably avoiding that call. Yeah. But here's my question, Sal. They both run the company. Can Amanda not give Anoush a promotion or a new title or move him back to the store he prefers in Encino or just keep him happy? Yeah, I think that it would have been time for Amanda to step up to the plate in leadership of LaRusso Auto and say, well, my husband's not here, but I'm here. So here's what we're going to do. Broker a new deal with Anoush. Do what would have been done if Daniel were there. Yeah. So yeah, I think that she should have grabbed the reins on that, and she didn't. But I also didn't like the way Anoush just, he says he's not coming, and he walks off. I thought that was kind of rude to Amanda. Yeah, I didn't know it was all hinging on Daniel. Now, I get that Amanda's not happy. And a lot of that's carrying into this meeting with Anoush. She's also already not happy. He's not in bed in the mornings. He's disconnected. She's running the show. So it was almost like, I'm going to let this fail and show you what you're doing wrong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm no big fan of Anoush, but I, I do think that Amanda should have tried to salvage yeah. this situation. I say this not to blame Amanda. I just thought it could have been fixed. Yeah. And so we both agree. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, Amanda is a kick-ass chick. And, you know, she doesn't do karate, obviously. But believe me, we have developed utmost respect for Amanda and her intelligence mm-hmm. and her leadership and her logic, right? Yeah. She's a fantastic character. 
Yeah, she should have just said, well, Daniel's not here. Here's what we're doing a new shares what we're offering you. We're going to match the deal with Cole's auto, yep. right? We're gonna, we want to keep you here. Yeah, she totally should have grabbed the reins on that. And then said, Daniel, you screwed up. And then let him have it later. Yeah. But didn't go down that way. Adds to the storyline. Gives us some more drama. Yeah. So on. But Anoush, I guess, just walks out and yeah. that's it. Huh? So now we're back at Coyote Creek. And Hawk drops from a tree on Mitch. Before he, hang face. on. <laughs> Before he jumps down, though, don't you hear the music and hear the birds screeching? It's true. In the music? Hawk uh, style. I was loving that. It was a hawk in the music, in the soundtrack, right before Hawk jumps out of the tree, like where a bird would be. Perfect. He was being a hawk. He takes his headband and claims, I think it's his fifth kill. Yeah. And then what's he say next, Sal? He's wearing Miyagi's Medal of Honor around his neck. He takes it off from under his shirt, shows it to this guy. He says, I guess I've earned my Medal of Honor. Now, that Cobra Kai who he just decimated there, was he part of the vandalism crew at Miyagi-Do? I know him and Chris joined together, and then Chris was not part of the vandalism. And okay. now Chris is at Miyagi-Do Dojo. Yes. Mitch could have been, but okay. they all had hoodies. I, am, yeah. I recognized Hawk, of course. Yeah. But the other ones were tougher to see. Yeah. But regardless, he's not afraid to show certain people that he's got the Medal of Honor, which is so disrespectful. Disrespectful to everywhere, to everything. And I'm wondering if stealing a Medal of Honor is a federal offense. Should be. Yeah, I would imagine so. So Miguel oversees this, and now he knows the truth. Yeah, because Miguel didn't know who trashed Miyagi-Do. He probably had his suspicions, but he was not part of that. And nor does he buy into that. Yeah. Much like Johnny. Yeah. So now we cut back to the freezer, and everyone's back in a circle, and this time Sam's in the middle. Mm -hmm. And so what happens? Sam is in the center of the circle, and Daniel is calling out numbers to attack, going back to the fending off multiple attackers. And then Robbie now steps up to attack. And even though they're in the freezer, sparks were flying. Definitely. And I love that there was that one freeze frame. Yeah. You know, tongue in cheek because they're in a freezer. And you see right there, I didn't notice that first time they really froze in them. And you, and you see, that's the moment yep. where you go, ah, okay. I think there is something there. Because before I didn't, really didn't know if they had electricity yeah, they so much. They connected. They yeah. Electricity, sparks were flying, as you just said. And you could see it, but no one else saw it. Yep. Daniel just saw two students doing Miyagi-Do karate at a high level. It was lost on everyone else. But those two, like time had stopped. Yeah. It was really, really great. It was a nice moment. Yeah. So then Dimitri goes back in the center, and immediately we think bad things are going to happen. Yeah. So now we're back at Coyote Creek, and we see all the students have lost the exercise. And now it's down to Miguel and Hawk. And Sal, I want to know, who beat Tori? Well, I'd like to think Aisha, but were they on the same team? What team was Aisha? She was on red. Okay, so it could have been Aisha. I don't know, though. Tori's tough. Hawk, maybe? I think... Tori's only second to Miguel, and they're sometimes even. Do you think Tori can beat up Hawk? He has five kills. So maybe <laughs> he dropped out of the sky on her as well. Okay, interesting. Yeah, we don't see who bested Tori or Aisha. We don't know. We don't know. It's all speculation. But yeah, Hawk is pretty badass. But unfortunately, I think Hawk at this point is kind of going to the dark side. You think? He has gone to the dark side. Yeah, I think he's been over there for a few episodes. Okay, yeah. I think becoming Hawk put him on the dark side. <laughs> Stingray's next. As soon as you flip the script, look out. So now we're back to Dimitri. Yeah, is this where Daniel tells him to use your instincts? Yes. Just that moment. Which is an interesting approach because you see, 
Dimitri is very cerebral. He's a thinker, right? He was into science. He's into logic and reason. So when you tell somebody to get into your instincts, you're really telling them also to get into your mental state. Use your head here. Yeah. Don't just rely on your fist necessarily. This is where he said, right, it's not about being the strongest or the fastest. This is about your instincts. So he's telling Dimitri here to rely on your instincts here. And then I will tell you that this moment here is what I would call a quantum leap. Many years ago, when I was working in the gym as a trainer, I would see... That's a Scott Bakula show, is it? It, Yeah, it is. It was. (laughs) Yeah. But what you'll see is like, you may be trying to teach somebody something, A, B, C, D, and you want to get them to D, and they're at A, and you just can't get them to D. But then something happens, and all of a sudden, they skip B and C and move to D. I've seen it happen. It's an interesting thing. I would only say that it's a quantum leap. It's somebody jumps from point A to point D, like miraculously. And that's what happens with Dimitri here. He does it. I think it's Chris that comes in and he looks like Robbie and Sam all of a sudden. Yes. He does a block, he counters the attack, and he attacks and he strikes. Yeah. And he sees the kicks coming. He sees the punches coming. Yeah. Right? It's like he, things slowed down for him. Yeah. And that's why they're in the freezer. It can heighten your senses, as Daniel was saying. Yeah. Being cold can put you more on alert. And he felt it. And he reacted. So it's a really great moment. It's cool to see someone, like you say, experience a quantum leap, but it's quickly forgotten because the very next person comes in and kicks Dimitri. Yes. It was like he was so focused on the one that he could not continue on to the next person. Well, this when he says, I did it. Yeah. Well, that's reminiscent. There's this video going around. It's been going around for a few years of this cycling event. And this cyclist looks like he's going to win. He's almost to the finish line, he's in the lead, raises his hands up in the air to celebrate his victory before crossing the finish line, loses control of his bike, falls down, and gets passed. So yeah, don't start celebrating yet. No. It ain't over. Definitely not. So much like your cyclist, Dimitri takes a kick in the stomach and is no longer on top. And Daniel sees that he's missed calls from Amanda. Yeah. And then he says to Sam... See you at home. And he says, class is over. That's all for today, guys. Great job. And he just like runs out of there. So Sal, we don't know where they are. We don't know how they got there. And they don't know how they're going to get home. I can only guess that every young person who doesn't have a car is taking Uber everywhere or these rental scooters, I guess. I guess so. I remember Hawk and Miguel did arrive at Cobra Kai Dojo on those electric scooters, the Bird or the Lime scooters. Right. So it's entirely possible they all showed up on scooters. I mean, I guess. But his own daughter, he's like, out to see you home. <laughs> he just runs out of there. Yeah. Hilarious. All right. So now we see Miguel and Hawk before their showdown. Oh, this is huge. I did. I paused this and I just kind of took a breath and was like, yeah. wow, Miguel's going to fight Hawk. Savor the moment. Oh. Miguel is upset and tells Hawk that he knows what he did. Yeah. And Hawk says, if you want the Medal of Honor, come and get it. Oh, yeah. He challenges Miguel. Wow. He does. I got to hand it to Hawk. I mean, because he must know that Miguel's a better fighter than him. He knows, but he's much like you said about Kreese. This kid's tough. He's got balls. Yeah. So he says, let's go for it. And they go toe to toe. And this was big time exciting to see. This is a really good fight. It was. And I like the way they use the natural surroundings. Yeah, they're using trees to launch from, to slam each other into. Yeah. Like there's a lot of good back and forth. But eventually what happens? Well, eventually Miguel wins and everyone is there to see. Everyone gathered around. Yeah, because they were like in an earshot away. Yeah. Everyone comes running over to see the big finale. And then Cree says to finish him. Yeah. Call back to Karate Kid. And what does Miguel do? Because Miguel's also upset about what Hawk did. 
And that probably played a big role in this, but what did he do? Did he kick him? Kicked him right in the head. Yeah. Now, kicking your opponent when they're down, you know, that's like, we've been hearing about that our whole lives. Like, you don't kick someone when they're down. But the way Kreese teaches, you kick them. You finish them, no mercy. That's right. And they are enemies for the day. Black versus red for the day. Well, as he does that, Johnny's in dismay. He's just more and more disappointed by what he is seeing with his students out here. And not just his students, but his star students. Yeah. Also thinking, I mean, what did I do? I put this guy in charge of my dojo, in charge of my students. Look what he's done. And now they're all no mercy. He's turning them into the old Cobra Kai, which is not the new Cobra Kai. It's not the new Cobra Kai, the reboot, Cobra Kai 2.0. This is old Cobra Kai, crease style, no mercy, finish your opponent. So, Sal, then just when you think... Black team victorious. Who comes out of nowhere? Okay, this is not much different than the cyclist raising his hands before the finish line. That's right? a little different. Okay, not everyone is accounted for in this scenario. That's right, there's a lot going on. A yeah. lot of people here and there. Miguel raises his hands in victory and out from beneath the leaves, reminiscent of Rambo in the mud, reminiscent of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Predator in the mud. So we have this is very Rambo-esque, very Predator-esque Stingray busts out from underneath a pile of leaves, grabs Miguel in a chokehold, yeah, would be called a, right a rear naked him. choke, yep. and takes his headband off. He says, Stingrays lie and wait until the perfect opportunity to strike. <laughs> so good. And so fantastic. And actually true, because I have seen enough Jacques Cousteau videos to know yeah. the Stingray hides underneath the sand at the bottom and then does strike. This was so fantastic to see. And Stingray did such a fantastic job. His character, the actor, is so fantastic. And Cruz is happy because he was on Team Red. Sure. So. Well, I'm under the impression he's the one that put Stingray up to this. I don't even think he did. Really? He complimented him afterwards. Wow. I figured Cruz told him to do that. No, this was his own thinking, knowing his own weaknesses. And so, and his new nickname. I got to hand it to him. So then Johnny talks to Miguel. And is just disappointed, as I just pointed out. And so I thought he might tell Johnny about Hawk and what he had done. That would be official snitching if he did, right? Yeah. Do Cobra Kai snitch on each other? Snitches get stitches? Do they do? I don't think that they would tell on each other like that. I don't know, but I think Miguel is much closer to Johnny than he is to anyone else. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I think Miguel's between a rock and a hard place here. Yeah. You know, it's like either choice is bad. You know, I, I know I've mentioned this on previous podcasts. Sometimes in life, you're faced between a lot of bad choices and you got to choose the least bad. So I think, yeah, uh, to tell on Hawk is bad, to not tell is bad. It's all bad. Well, one thing we didn't say, when Miguel bested Hawk, he also took the Medal of Honor back. Yeah. And he ripped it off his... He broke the chain, which I found interesting. He broke the chain, which I think... I think Hawk put the chain on it. Okay. It wasn't a Miyagi chain. So he took it back. So maybe he's fine with the fact that he's going to return it but maybe not snitch on Hawk for the vandalism. Yeah. So maybe he feels somewhat better about that. Yeah. Well, because at this moment in time, what's important is that the Medal of Honor goes back to the right place. Yes. Not necessarily that somebody gets in trouble for it. That's true. The Medal of Honor goes back to where it belongs. Right. So now we're back at LaRusso residence and Sam visits Robbie's room, which is in the dojo in the house. Yeah, I did think Sam was being flirtatious here. Maybe she didn't know she was being flirtatious, but she arrives at Robbie's place right? Mm-hmm. After dark, wearing little white shorts. I mean, kind of flirtatious oh, yeah. arriving that way. And you know what? I couldn't figure out if Robbie was expecting this, hoping for this, or he was caught off guard, but 
He made a move right away. And they had their first kiss. Yeah. It was bound to happen, and it was a nice moment. There obviously is a serious connection between these two, and we'll see where it goes. I totally loved Robbie's line, though, because they were kind of reflecting on the day right before the kiss. And she goes, oh, which do you like more, the heat or the cold? And then he says, I like the heat. And then he moves in for the kiss. I got to say, that was pretty smooth. Well done. Robbie was pretty smooth. Uh, But I I do have to say for the record, for those keeping score, this is officially the third boyfriend for Samantha. Yes. No one has had more boyfriends on this show or girlfriends than Samantha, right? Who who has dated three people on this show besides her? Well, maybe Anoush. (laughs) (laughs) But we don't know. (laughs) Okay, besides Anoush, yeah, I got I, I got to hand it to Samantha. You know, she's a sweet girl, a wholesome girl, and she's had three boyfriends. Yeah. But I don't think she slept with any of them. Wait, what am I thinking? Robbie's mom. Hello. <laughs> okay, Robbie's mom is the only person to have more boyfriends than Samantha. Yeah, I forgot about her. Jeez. Okay. Now we're at LaRusso Auto. Daniel rushes in, but Amanda explains that Anoush had already quit. Yeah, and he rushes in and says, I was going to treat to surf and turf at Delmonico's. And for those of you who are unaware, Delmonico's is a very famous seafood restaurant on Ventura Boulevard in Encino. It's actually at the corner of Ventura and Nolin. And no, we are not getting any paid advertisement for Delmonico's. Although we'll take it. (laughs) So Amanda says that he's taken the offer at Cole's Auto for more money and a higher title. Much like I said that Amanda should have offered him. Well, you know what? I'm thinking about what you said earlier, and that is that it's entirely possible that Amanda didn't want to grab the reins, didn't want to salvage and save the scenario, save the good employee, instead let it all go to hell so that Daniel would have to suffer the consequences. It was almost like teaching him a lesson. You lose a good employee because you're being a flake. That's what's happening. Sometimes in life you have these moments where you could have fixed it, but you just didn't have it in yourself to do it because someone else, your partner, is letting you down. I'm not saying Amanda sabotaged it because she didn't. But she didn't have it in her at that moment to fix it. But it's kind of also one of those moments of, you made your bed, now lie in it. Oh, yeah, for sure. She's obviously much more upset with Daniel than Anoush is. At this moment, Amanda is LaRusso Otto. Absolutely. Daniel is off in Karate Land. Daniel says something like, oh, I need to focus on this or that. And she says, sometimes when you focus on one thing, you lose focus on everything else that matters. Yeah. And that just has to do with in life. If you focus on this or that, you got to sacrifice something else. Amanda's been there through season one and two of Cobra Kai, holding things together. Yeah. And this was her breaking point. Yeah. And I think it's justifiable. I'm only pointing out the fact that she probably could have kept Anoush in-house, but this is it. She's really not happy, and this isn't a small thing. There's a big problem in the LaRusso household now. Yeah, it's almost like the dealership is almost a metaphor yeah. For the relationship, right? Absolutely. It's the outward manifestation of the inward turmoil. Well said. Thank you. Now we're at the LaRusso residence, and Miguel goes to return the Medal of Honor. Yeah, interesting moment, because Miguel knocks on the door, and Robbie answers. Of all people. Did Miguel know that? He knows he lives there. He does know And that. he has no problem with it. Okay. But Robbie is suspicious. Sure. Well, Robbie says, what are you doing here? Yeah. Thinking he's going to fight, and Miguel says, I'm not here to fight. I want to return this, and he hands him the... Medal of Honor. Of course, assuming he took it or had something to do with it. And Miguel says, we're not all assholes. I didn't have anything to do with the trashing of Miyagi-Do. He absolved himself, let him know it wasn't me. Yeah. But here's the medal. Robbie takes it, closes the door, <laughs> kind of slams the door in Miguel's face. I think Miguel's like, tell Samantha, I'm sorry. Yeah. 
You know, I think Miguel's really turned a corner. I think having Tori in his life, good or bad on that, that's a whole other discussion, but it's gave him a little more balance. He's not chasing Sam anymore. He's trying to do the right thing. And that was a nice moment. It also shows him. Well, it also shows that maybe Miguel has not been overly influenced by Crease yet. Right. Like Crease hasn't gotten to Miguel yet. Yeah, Miguel's still a sweet kid. Yeah. He's still a good person. You'd think after spending a few weeks with Crease, he would have gone to the dark side. But Crease was just doing his dirty work. So Miguel hasn't been influenced. He goes to the door, he gives the medal back, does the right thing, doesn't turn in his homie Hawk, right? He doesn't do no. that. He doesn't snitch on Hawk, no. returns the medal, does the right thing. So then Sam comes downstairs. Who is that at the door? Robbie says, oh, it's just the wrong address. Hides the medal, puts it in his pocket. Yeah. And Sam says, I'm going to bed. They give a kiss and she runs off. And Robbie says nothing about Miguel or the medal. Yeah, I found that to be interesting. Well, I was wondering what his plan was. What's he going to do here at this moment? He just did not want to give credit to Miguel. We'll find out. To be determined. Now we're back at Cobra Kai Dojo and Johnny talks to Crease in the office. He explains that they need to teach honor rather than no mercy. So this conversation is going bad in a hurry. Well, first thing I always enjoy how Crease doesn't care about smoking laws no. He smokes his cigar anywhere, everywhere. He's already lit this dojo on fire once. <laughs> I do agree with Crease. You know, it's one of those things where a broken clock is right twice a day, right? Yep. So Crease says, when you're in a war, the other side never fights with any honor. And I totally can appreciate that. You want to be respectful. You want to hold your opponent in high regard or hold this scenario in high regard, uh, have respect for it. But your opponent doesn't. Your opponent is going to hit below the belt. It's kind of one of these things, especially in today's politics. Oh, when they go low, you should go high. Right. But some people say, when they go low, you go lower. But these are high school karate students. There (laughs) is no war. But that's where we think, what is Kreese's agenda here? He's wanting to build some sort of army, but for what? Build an army for what? What's he trying to do here? Create a bunch of mercenaries? What's he trying to do? So Johnny's fed up and he says... I never want to see you in this dojo again. It was very much like a traditional breakup. Right. Because he says, I thought this could work, but I was wrong. Right. Exactly. We're done. He should have just said, it's not you, it's me. (laughs) Sal, have you heard that before? Have have I heard that? (laughs) Oh, believe me. I've been dropped hard. I want to make one thing perfectly clear. I have had my heart broken. I have broken hearts. I'm not a saint. I'm not a sinner. We're all, all of us are good and bad. So yeah, I have said that. It's not you, it's me. This isn't working. This isn't what I thought it would be. I'm not who I thought I was in this relationship. You're not who I thought you would be in this relationship. So yeah, Johnny is breaking up with Crease, and he says, that's it, we're done. And Crease takes it on the chin. I don't think he says anything else. No. And walks right out there. He walks out pretty quickly, too. Do you think that's the last time we're going to see Crease? <sighs> I'm assuming not. Yeah. And by this point, as a viewer, I'm not done with Crease. I want to see what else he has to offer this show. What else is he going to try to sneak his way back in, into the uh, quiver, right? Yeah. But I got to fault Johnny, though. Oh. I got to fault Johnny because Johnny left Crease in charge when he left with the old gang, with Tommy and the motorcycles and the camping. And I just think like he left Crease in charge. He reconciled with Crease. He made Crease his student, right? Officially, Crease was now the student. Remember they had that agreement when they were talking in the halfway house? Right. Well, they're also co-senseis. Okay. So Johnny entrusted Crease with his dojo and his students while he took off. 
I assume that Johnny thought that Kreese would follow his new way, but Kreese is hardwired to his path. Yeah, I don't know what... He wanted to believe. Johnny just kind of ran off and left Kreese in charge. Yeah. Well, that was a pretty big situation going on with Tommy. He could have just closed up Cobra Kai. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Okay, I'm thinking that he should not have left Kreese in charge. But all those nice things that Kreese has said to Johnny, right when he needed to hear it. Yeah. You know, you're the best student I ever had. Sure. The time out in front of the cement truck, those wonderful words that he would say. Sure. How this is, you know, the guy that can take you to the top. And so I think getting that, Johnny wanted to believe in Kreese. This is the one moment, again, I can't believe I'm saying this, where I kind of felt a little sorry for Kreese. I kind of felt a little sorry for Kreese when Johnny was kicking him out of the dojo after Kreese was just doing what Kreese does. Do you hope that there's a different side to Kreese or he could be a better person? Are you hanging on to that hope? I'm hanging on to the hope that Johnny can change Kreese or at least a little bit, just bend him a little bit. So yeah, so that's why. Yeah. So you want to see Kreese stick around so he can evolve and change. Yeah. And so I think that Johnny was kind of quick. To boot him out. Yeah. Well, he's impatient. He can be a hothead. Although he's been less of a hothead lately. But that's a good point. Yeah. So there was this little moment. Again, I can't believe I'm saying this. There was this little tiny moment where I had sympathy for Kreese and just wanted Johnny to maybe give Kreese, in this scenario, in this scene, just one more chance, one more warning. And then, you know, we'll see what the future holds. But we will see. He was quick to kick him out. And that's the end of the episode. Uh, Another great episode. Wow. Episode seven, only three to go to finish this season. I can't believe it. I'm already in mourning. I'm, I already see that we only have three more episodes, and I'm already sad by this. Yeah. I'm, I'm sad. Well, because have they started filming season three yet? Yes, they have been filming. I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah, and do I want Kreese to come back? I'm willing to give Kreese another chance. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying that. I know, you may regret it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. And we'd greatly appreciate it if you could subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And if you have the time to leave us a short review, it would truly help us as well. We also encourage our listeners to follow us on social media at Let's Talk Cobra Kai for Facebook and Instagram and at Talk Cobra Kai on Twitter. And if you have any questions, that's a great place to message us. Lastly, you can become an official supporter of Let's Talk Cobra Kai on Patreon. And you can stream every episode, as well as our other shows, from our website, which is justcuriousmedia.com. Thanks so much. No mercy.